What is our hope in life and good? Christ alone, Christ alone. What is our only confidence that our souls to Him belong? Who holds our days within His hand? What comes apart from His command? And what will keep us to the end? The love of Christ in which we stand. He lives, and what reward will heaven bring? Everlasting life with Him, and we will rise to meet the Lord. Then sin and death will be destroyed, and we will feast in endless joy when Christ is ours forever.
I'm so thankful today that my salvation is not because of anything that I have done. I'm not strong enough. I'm not good enough. I'm thankful that our hope is only found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Our salvation can only be found in Him. And you're saved today. If you are, it's because you've trusted in Christ, your personal Savior. And if you're saved today, then a thousand years from now, you'll still be saved. And it's only because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and what He's done for us. When he cried on Calvary's cross, it is finished, that he meant it. And I'm thankful that when you get saved, it's finished. Your name is written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. You're a child of God and on your way to heaven. I praise the Lord for that. I want you to get your Bibles with me, if you would, this morning. Turn to Matthew chapter 4. The word hallelujah means praise the Lord. I praise God for what he's done. I'm glad I'm saved today. How about you? Amen. Amen. We're in Matthew chapter 4. We'll get to that in just a moment in reading from the word of God. But I'm so glad you're here today. What a blessing to be able to come together and to lift up the name of the Lord. Praise him through songs. I hope you came to, to, together today and sing the songs that we sang from a heart of praise unto the Lord because you've been praising them all week. That's one of the indicators. When you're singing from your heart, it's because you've been doing it all week in your heart through the Lord. We have an 11 o'clock service. We call it a worship service, but it's only an indicator. If it's truly worship, it's because it's something you've been doing all week in your life. Not something you switch on and off at 11 o'clock Sunday morning. And I'm so glad that you came together today and, and lifted up the name of the Lord. And, and we truly ought to sing hallelujah and praise him for what he's done for us. I remember as kids, we used to sing hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. There you go. You know what I want to do? I want us to sing that song. I want to sing that song. JB, I need your help, brother, up here. Come on now. I feel like we need to do this because, you know, as kids, we have the simplicity of thinking, I'm going to sing and enjoy it. Come on up here, JB. I'm going to lift up the name of the Lord and do it as loud as I can, and no problems. You're all right with that. Oh, you yes, look like you're great. comfortable and everything, all right? You're going to get this side over here. Your family's right here, so you're in charge on this side. Now, you know, here's, uh, here's the thing. I look at some of you like, no, we can't do this in church. This is just not right. <laughs> if you feel that way, I can't change your heart. But if you understand what I'm saying today, God is so good to us. And we ought to give praise to the Lord. We ought to say, praise ye the Lord. And hallelujah is the Hebrew word for praise ye the Lord. So we're going to be saying it. We could be multilingual today. You guys can learn a language today. You can speak Hebrew and English all at the same time. I can't even speak English right, but I, I can get the Hebrew down of hallelujah. It's not hallelujah either. It's hallelujah. All right, just in case. All right, so we're going to start with this side. Now I'll start on my side. I'll give you a break, JB. I got the mic. We're going to start with hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. And we can sing it respectfully. Let's just give praise to the Lord. Praise you, the Lord. All right? You guys ready for this? Some of you are like, I don't know. I can't do this. See what you can do. Are you ready? Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. That's good. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, praise ye the Lord. 
Thank you, JB. You guys did an awesome job, man. That sounded beautiful. Why did I do that? Because I want for us to understand that when we come into the house of the Lord together, that we give praise to God. We used to do it as kids. Nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with getting excited and singing praises to the Lord. And by the way, an indicator of you not singing praises when you come together and sing praises to God in your life, an indicator that if you're all shut up and you can't say anything, it's because through the week you've not been praising the Lord. This is an outward flowing of what's happening in your life through the week. Make a joyful noise if you have to. Amen. You don't have to sing purdy. We can all make a joyful noise, but some of you do sing purdy. That sounded great. Listening to you all sing. Thank you for that. I just wanted to just encourage you a little bit with that. When we're singing songs, just lift up your voice. God, I don't think he minds if we get excited about what he's done for us. You all with me this morning? Amen. I know that was a little bit too much uh, loose for some people here. I, I'm not going liberal because I sang hallelujah, 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 praise you the Lord. I hope you don't think that. But God wants us to lift up the name of the Lord. I want to begin as we look here. We're not going to read just for a moment. I want to just a little bit of uh, kind of a... I guess the sharing with you of what we're going to be starting today, we're going to be going uh, the next couple of weeks and um, going through a series entitled, There Must Be More. And today, there must be more to life. There must be more to life. You know, you get up, you eat breakfast, you head to work, you work all day, you return home, you eat some supper, you might watch some TV, you might whatever, you might do some reading, and you then go to bed and, and then repeat the next day. Now, some of you, of course, that's not your routine. You get up in the morning and you read your Bible, and you pray, and you go through the day, and you, you go to the work, and you get home at night, and you eat your dinner. Of course, you got up earlier than everybody else. You got up really early in the morning, because you're an early riser. And then you worked all day, and then you got tired, and you got about 6 o'clock at night, and you're grumpy and old and tired, and you did go to bed early, and you repeat that round and round and round and round. We all have different routines. I'm trying to include everybody there, right? We all have different routines. Some of you have more steps. Some of you less steps. And it's no wonder that people ask the question, is that all there is to life? You go through it, it's like a rat race. It's like we're inside. I, when I was a kid, we had a hamster. Had that hamster, man. I'd love to get things from the run through. One of the things is those wheels. Our life feels like that sometimes. We're not careful. And I can tell you this, it's not just unbelievers who ask that question. Is this all there is to life? There are many who know Christ as their Savior that ask the exact same question. My life is just like one big blur. It's going in circles over and over again. It's like in this routine of life. Yet God tells us this in John 10.10. 10. He says, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Christ came. And this is what he said. I am come that you may have life and that you might have it more abundantly abundantly. And I want to ask you today, are you having that more abundant life right now? Christ came. Are you enjoying that abundant life? God says there's more. Now, if we don't see it, or more so if we are not living that way, then we're missing something. I mean, if that's what God wanted us to have and we're not experiencing it, something's wrong. We're missing something. He says, I want you to have the abundant life. Yet if we're not experiencing that, something is missing. And so over the next several weeks, we're going to try to see those missing elements in our life that can change our lives from the routine to the abundant. 
And today I want you to look here to begin with in Matthew chapter 4. Look at verse number 17 if you would. Would you all please stand as we read the word of God? Matthew chapter 4, verse number 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For your word. Thank you for the story that we read here today, Lord, the calling of your apostles. And Lord, I pray that we would listen today, Lord, that we would truly desire the abundant life that you have for us. And Lord, that we would see there's more to life than what this world has to offer, what our schedules perhaps have to offer, routines of life have to offer. Lord, I pray you challenge our hearts. I pray, Lord, that we would desire more. Lord, we know you have what's for us, what's best. You have a calling in our life. I pray, Lord, that we would desire that calling and follow it. Lord, challenge us today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Here in our passage today, we have Peter and Andrew. We have James and John. They're doing what they routine, 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 their routine would be normally. What they would routinely, routinely, how do you say that word? They were going about their daily routine. That's easier, isn't it? I like that better. And here they are. They're going through life. They're fishermen. They're out there doing what fishermen would do. You would expect them to do. Peter and Andrew, they're casting their nets into the water. That's what you'd expect a fisherman to do. And we also see that James and John, they're in their boat mending their nets uh, uh, for another day of fishing. They're doing what you would normally guess that fishermen would do. And what happened that day that you wouldn't expect, though, is that all four men... They leave what they were doing, and they follow Jesus Christ. And I want to know why. Why did they do that? Now, we, you can say, I already know the answer to all that, but I want you to think deeper about it today. I want you to think more personal about it today. Why did they do that? I believe that if we can figure out the reason why, we may discover part of the missing ingredients that could make our life more than what it is now. We want to find out why did they do this. And so this is a very simple message, but I, I like simple, and it's easy for me to understand, and I hope it's an encouragement to you and a challenge to us all at the same time. And, and I want to just talk about number one point is this. Life calls you and me to a routine. God calls you and me to a calling. Life calls you and me to a routine. God calls you and me to a calling. Look at verse number 19 once again. Notice what Jesus said. He says, follow me, and I will make you, what's the next two words? Fishers of men. Follow me, and I will make you, what does it say? Fishers of men. Good. And so as Jesus called the first apostles, as he did that day, he has continued to call people to follow him up until this day. He has continued to call people. Now, I'm not an apostle of Jesus Christ, but I am a disciple of Jesus Christ, and God has called me. And God is calling us, God is calling every single one of us to follow after him. He calls them, he calls people to move out from the route or the routine of life into a calling. Think with me for a second. What did you do today? Sunday morning. Let's start with last night. It's good to start last night, because Sunday's tomorrow. Hopefully you went to bed at a decent time last night. I try to go to bed at 10 o'clock every Saturday night. I have it on my phone. It starts to do, to, to do this. Da, 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 da. It tells me it's time to go to bed. You guys are like, we need that? No, my phone does it. I don't know why it does it, but it does. I set a bedtime time. I set a wake-up time. It tells me how many hours I'm supposed to sleep. Set the routine. Go to bed at 10 o'clock. doesn't always work that way, but I try to. I try to go to bed at 10 o'clock. 
I get up in the morning at 5.30 in the morning, usually on Sunday mornings. I get up at 5.30. I want to make sure that I'm up, fresh, ready to go for the day. What do you guys do? You probably have a routine as well. You go to bed at a certain time on Saturday night. You get up at a certain time on Sunday morning. Uh, today, you probably drank the same number of cups you always drink. And if you say, I don't drink coffee, well, there you go. You didn't drink any cups. See, I was right. So you drink the same number of cups you usually drink. You, you go through all that rigmarole of the normal routine of what you do. And, and you get up at that right time. And you, you decide that you're going to get the shower either Saturday night or Sunday morning, whatever it is for you. Hopefully, you got a shower either Saturday night or Sunday morning. Can I hear an amen to that, right? You have a routine you're going through. And then you say, okay, it's time, it's, i got to leave by this time to get to the church on time. And so you get in your car, the routine, everybody gets in, you drive to church on the way there, you try not to fight, stuff like that. And then you get to church, and you come on in, and you, you actually, the kids go to their classes, you go to your class, if you're an adult, you come in here, and you sit down in the same seat you always sit in. Matt, I noticed this morning, you weren't sitting in the right seat, you're supposed to be sitting over there. But most of the time, you come in unless somebody stole your seat. Who stole your seat this morning, Matt? Why are you sitting over there anyway? But you come in, you try to find the exact same seat unless somebody stole it. Those visitors, I'll tell you, they don't know that that's your seat. And so you have to sit somewhere else. It's out of your routine. But anyway, you know what I'm saying. But if you sit in the right seat, it's where you always sit. And then 11 o'clock comes. There's a routine you go on between. Now, either you're a donut person or you're a non-donut person. Some are pre-10 o'clock, some are post-10 o'clock. It's a theological discussion we have of when do you eat your donuts. Are you a pre or post? I'm messing. Don't be a mid, that's all I'm going to say. Don't eat your donut during the middle of the service, okay? Either pre or post, all right. Some of you look at me, I have no idea what he's talking about or why he's talking even. I don't know what's going on. You have a routine you go through, and you get all through with that, and then 11 o'clock rolls around, you come on in and you sit down. You guys are not in the right seat either, you're just sitting over there. You're throwing off my, my illustration today. You sit in the exact same chair. And, and by the way, I know these things. Brother Randy, you're not in the right seat either. You're supposed to be sitting over there. Are they sitting in your seat? These visitors, I'll tell you. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, you have your own seat that you sit in. And it's week in, week out, the exact same thing. You sit through the service. You might stay awake. And, and, and you try to get through to the end. It's, it's called enduring until the end. It's the gospel of the kingdom. And so when you get all done with that, um, you get dismissed, and then what do you do? I don't know what your routine is, but I like to go home. And I like to sit down. I like to take my shoes off, sit back in the easy chair, and I, I do a lot of praying on Sunday afternoon. <laughs> I speak in unknown language, though. It's called snoring. No, I'm just joking. You, you lay back. You go through all of that, and I'm just using this as one day of an illustration. You all get what I'm trying to talk about now, right? Talking about routines of life. And it seems like these routines go day in and day out. Day in and day You know what happens when you get older? You start counting how many days went by by how many pills are left in your bottle. Some of you are laughing because I'm telling the truth. That just dawned on me. I'm 52 years old. I'm like, oh, what's going on here? Three days before I got to get a refill. Oh, man. Life is real, isn't it? It can get real boring, too, can it? Round and round we go. Day in, day out. Day in, day out. But God, he's calling me something more than just a routine. 
God wants me to be involved in something more than just going through the motions. Now, by the way, there are some good routines. It's a good thing to have a routine of being in church on Sunday morning. It's a good thing to have a routine, a good thing to have a routine of praying each night and praying in the morning, reading your Bible each day. There's some good routines, but if that's all they are is routines, something's wrong. It's nothing more than going through the motions. You punch your, your time card on Sunday morning. I did it, God. Everything's good. Over and over and over and over. And it all becomes a blur. We are people of routine. People of routine. And now God is calling in an invitation to break the routine. God might speak to your heart, and God might challenge you to do something different that's outside of what's comfortable to you, that's outside of what is your routine, that's outside of the rut that you've built in your life. Breaking the routine, God is a calling. God is calling some to salvation. Breaking the routine of in life saying there's no way to know that I'm going, that anybody can know they're going to heaven. Breaking the routine of life that I'm not good enough, God couldn't possibly save me. Breaking the routine of life saying that I'm good enough because I'm a religious person. And people like that, they religiously, I know a man, I think he's still here. I saw Easter morning, there was a man that was going down. I got here earlier on Easter morning. I was here at 5 a.m. There was a man that came down the road on his scooter with a flashlight. And I'm pretty sure it's the same man that I've seen for years. He used to ride a bike. I'm not sure why he's using a scooter now. I'm serious. I, one day he stopped by and I talked to him. Every single year on Easter, he would go to Manistee and go to the Catholic Church there. And then he would spend the night coming down. And he'd come across Jababi in the wee hours of the morning. He's headed to the next Catholic Church to get there for the first Mass on Easter. And he's doing that as a routine. A religious routine for what? And I challenged him with that, lovingly. Shared with him the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the man was not ready to break his routine, you see, because he was busy about working his way to heaven. I'm going to go and do this, and I'm going to do this. And I'm gonna, you know, there's a lot of people like that. They've got to break the routine of, I'm good, everything's fine, or I'm working, I'm trying to earn my salvation, and when I get good enough, then I'll ask God, no, listen, you've got to break that routine and realize that you have to make a decision with what God is calling you to do right now. The Bible says, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what the day may bring. You might not have tomorrow. You've got to break the routine. You know, for some Christians, they have to break the routine and they have to get busy in God's work. For the right reason, not because it's just what they do. Well, I've got to go to church. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I've got to do this, I've got to do that, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. And at the end you say, what did I do? Who did I do it for? Why am I even doing this? Hmm. Am I the only one that's ever been challenged with a thought like that? What's the purpose for which I'm doing what I'm doing? Routine. Man calls you to a routine. Your human nature calls you to a routine. God has a calling in our life. A calling is different than a routine. God has a purpose. Here he called these four apostles to break the routine of fishing and follow him. 
And by the way, he doesn't just call preachers. You all agree with that today? He doesn't just call preachers. He calls every one of us. Let me give you a couple of scriptures to prove that. Ephesians 4 verse 1 says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. I mean, that's not just preachers. It's everybody. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 11, Wherefore, also we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling. God has a calling in our life. And so if you woke up this morning at 4.30 a.m., not because your alarm was set, but because you just woke up. And as you woke up, God placed somebody on your heart to pray for. Would you just roll over and go back to sleep? Or would you get on your knees and pray for them? When you left this morning and you're on your way to church and for some reason God impresses something on your heart, you don't understand completely why, but he tells you to turn here and you turn there. And as you're driving on your way, a little bit out of the way to church, and you happen to see the person standing by the side of the road, and God lays it on your heart to stop and to help them. Would you stop and help them? No, it's a Sabbath. We can't help people. <laughs> Sound familiar? You can't help somebody. There are donkeys inside the ditch over there. It's a Sabbath. We can't, I mean, goodness, you can't heal anybody on the Sabbath, can you? Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. I'm obviously using the parallel of Jesus and the Pharisees and how they accused him of breaking the Sabbath because he actually did what God wanted him to do and submitted to God's will in his life instead of the rules and regulations of the religion of that day. Though, by the way, those rules were man-made rules that, that, that men created with traditions that were not the word of God. I mean... If somebody there is needing help, of course, as the pastor, <clears throat> I hope you all don't mind if there's a time when that did happen and I was trying, I'd probably give you a call. Hey, I'm on my way to church. I, God, for some reason, laid this person on my heart. I got to preach today. Would you come help this guy with his broken, whatever it is, his tire's flat? You all get my point to what I'm saying, though, right? Or would we say, no, no. Uh-uh. My routine is I got to get to the church. Those donuts get served at quarter till. I'm a pre-donut eater. I have to get my donut. Now, I'm having some fun with this, but the reality of it is, think about how trite our routines really are when it comes to when God calls us to do something that's outside of us. And how big that calling is because of who is doing the calling. God is calling who cares what my routine is? Who cares what I'm comfortable with? If God is calling, I've got to answer. Or I say no. I've got a routine. I'm going to do things just the way they've always been. I'm going to stay the same way I've always been. I'm going to do things just according to the clock. You know God. I, you, what's that saying they talk about? Is there a saying they say God said about uh, time and stuff like that? I don't remember how it goes. It's not cleanliness, it's godliness. No, that's not Oh, I can't remember it right now, but there's, there's a lot of sayings that people get talking about how, you know, using your schedule and everything's got to be just so. And yes, we ought to have a schedule, and yes, we ought to redeem the time, and yes, we ought to take advantage of and plan properly and ask God to give direction. But what about when God tells you to do something that's outside of what you're comfortable with? What do you say to God? 
Sorry, God, can't do it. You see, we fight the calling of God because we like to stick to our routines. And that could be a lot of different things. It could be financial routines. God lays something on your heart about a missionary that comes, about getting involved in missions, and you say, no, I've got a budget. Can't go outside of the budget. Tithe? No, I've got to pay my bills. It could be a lot of things. We like to stick to our routines. See, the only problem is that routines are not fulfilling. God's callings are fulfilling. Routines are not, we already know it, don't we? I'm talking about man-made routines are not fulfilling. It feels like a rat race is continual. And it's like, what am I doing? What's the purpose? What's my purpose in life? And I'm a child of God. Yet if that's all there is, then what, what, what is it? What's good? You know, that's exactly what the Pharisees did all the time. And they had all kinds of routines. Y'all know what I'm talking about? They had all kinds of routines. Now, that doesn't mean that if you have routines that it's wrong. I'm just talking about when you have the routine, is it the right routine? Is it what God wants you to do? And what if God says to do something different? That's the thing. we got to look at it. Routines are not fulfilling. God's calling is fulfilling. Number two. We fail to get more out of life because we want the whole picture laid out before us, and God is only going to show us one step at a time of what's in front of us. We want everything laid out there. We want to know what's going to happen. Okay, God, if I do this, what's going to happen next? Not just a simple step of faith to say, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir, I'll do it. No, no, I want to know what's going to happen down the road, God. If I take this first step, what's going to happen? I want you to think about Peter. As he's out there casting his net at the Sea of Galilee. You think about him for a moment. Can you picture him? The Sea of Galilee, 40, 40 miles is the circumference of Galilee. It's not a big play water compared to lot of Lake Michigan. It's small. The circumference is 40 miles around over on the one side to the east, you have these large cliffs that go up, but it's a plateau up there. The wind that comes out of the east, it comes off of that when the heat comes of the day, and it rushes down, and it creates like a mixing mold inside the Sea of Galilee. That's why the storms were so great. Here's Peter. It's just another day. Okay, is the wind all right today? Is everything going good? We're going to go fishing. Here he is. Can you picture on the day he's out there? He's getting ready to cast his net into the Sea of Galilee or he has all night, and when Jesus said to him, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, do you think he thought to himself, well, one day I'm going to be an apostle leader in the church. I'm going to be there in that first church at Jerusalem. I'm going to be one of Christ's apostles. I'm going to do great miracles. Do you think he thought about that when Christ said, hey, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men? Do you think he thought of that? Yes or no? No. I mean, do you think that he thought about himself the one day that he's going to preach on, on I mean, at Pentecost? He's going to preach to tens of thousands of people and 3,000 people come to know Christ as their Savior. And he's going to baptize, be part of baptizing 3,000. They're going to be added to the church. Do you think he thought about that when Christ said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men? No. Do you think that he knew that he would ever write something like First and Second Peter, the epistles, letters? And that those epistles would be read over the next couple thousand years and we'd still be reading them today? I mean, do you think that he would have 
understood and thought and known that people would be talking, even after his death, be talking about him for the next couple thousand years. The only thing that he knew was the next step, and that was to follow Jesus. Follow me, he says. I'll make you fishers of men. He just had to take that, that one step. He wasn't figuring it all out. He wasn't adding up the cost. He wasn't trying to figure out what's going to happen down the road. It was a simple matter of faith to take the first step. Peter and Andrew, James and John, were obviously looking for more out of life than fishing. When Jesus called them to be fishers of men, they obviously didn't know what that meant. But they wanted to have a fulfilled life. They knew, they believed that Jesus was the Messiah. And they wanted to follow him. They believed that Jesus was the Messiah. And they wanted to follow him. Now, I believe that because I believe that they, they heard of the miracles. They saw the miracles. You read about what, what was said amongst them. They, they, they knew who Jesus was. They believed it at that time. They knew who he was, and so they desired to follow him. Let me ask you, do you know who God is? I'm not talking about abstract here. I'm talking about do you know who is the one that is calling you, the one that is asking you to take that step. Do you acknowledge him for who he is? Jesus, we see here, he did miracles after miracle after miracles known throughout Syria. People knew about his miracles, and it was a fulfillment of prophecy that he was the Messiah. People were believing in that. And when he called them to follow after him, he, they had to believe and follow after, but one step at a time. Just simply taking that step. See, we need to understand that when God calls us to do something, most times you're not going to know how God has it all planned out. You're not going to know all the plans for the future. You're not going to have a full plan. What you will know is this, though. First step. One step. One step. For some, that one step might be their very first step for salvation. If you're not saved today, you're not going to be able to figure it all out. You don't I mean... Listen, when I got saved, I didn't know everything. I didn't understand everything. I didn't have a great understanding of all of the Word of God. What I knew was this, simply. Listen now. I knew that I was a sinner. I believed that. Because the Bible said so, and I knew so by experience. I knew I was a sinner. And I believed that Jesus died for me. I believed it in my heart because the Word of God said so. I believe that he paid my sin debt. And I believe that Jesus rose again the third day. I knew that. God's word tells me so. And I believed the word of God was true when it said that either we're going to die and go to heaven or go to hell. And I didn't want to go to hell. I wanted to go to heaven. It was that simple. A simple childlike faith to take the step of believing and trusting in Christ as my Savior. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I stepped forward and I said, Lord, I believe. And he saved me. And if you've been saved today, it's the same for you. I didn't know everything was going to happen in the Christian life. I didn't understand all of it. I didn't understand everything about the Bible. I didn't understand every doctrine. And I'm still learning. But it was a step of faith. And every person today that's a child of God would say, if you don't know Christ as your Savior today, they'd say, take that step. You won't regret it. Take that step. He's calling you right now. He's speaking to your heart. Hey, don't delay. Take that step. But you know what? It doesn't just stop after you get saved. 
God has a calling in your life as well. I want you to get saved. There's many people that God is calling, and the question is, are we going to listen? Are we going to heed the call? Are we going to do what he, want, what he wants us to do in our life? Are we going to follow him? You see, we fail to get more out of life because we want the whole picture laid out before us, and God is only going to show us the step in front of us. I wonder how many missionaries there would be today if people would just take that first step instead of trying to figure out everything in the detail. I wonder how many preachers there would be today. I wonder how many members would be serving today if they would just take that step. I'm talking about serving, doing a service to serve God and to edify believers. I wonder how many soul winners we would have if people would just take that first step and just begin to witness, share a gospel track. How many would be saved today if we would just simply take that step? Challenging. And yet we go through the routine of life, week in, week out. Preacher, he, he preached about salvation again. Preacher, he preached about being a witness again. Preacher, he talked about serving again. And, well, we're going to be back next week, going to go through the exact same motions. Might even shake the preacher's hand and say, that was a good message. But we're not going to make a move because we want to figure it all out. Some people will never be saved because they want to try to figure it all out before they get saved. You're never going to figure it out. I still haven't figured out why God saved me. I'm glad he did. I took that step. I'm never going to figure out why God called me to preach. But I'm thankful he did. He called me. I had to take that step. I had to step out of a, a seat like you're sitting in. I remember the service. I remember coming to the front and kneeling at an altar and giving my life to the Lord and surrendering my life. I didn't figure it all out then. I can tell you that. I was scared to death. I didn't know what the future held. Took a step of faith. Look at the apostles. Look at the step they took. He calls us to be faithful to little steps so that he can entrust us with bigger steps. Being faithful in the small things. Being faithful in listening and being uh, in tune to the Holy Spirit of God and being tender in our heart to, as the Holy Spirit of God leads us. Just the simple things of life and each of the things that God calls us to do. Saying, yes, Lord, I'll do it. Yes, Lord, I'll do it. It's not everything at once. It's one step at a time each day. What God's going to show you. Thirdly, if we do not respond immediately to the calling of Jesus when we hear it in our heart, we will stick to our routine. There's going to be people that are sitting here today that God's speaking to your heart. You're going to say, I'm not going to do it. You're going to stick to your routine, and you're going to go through the exact same thing again every day, every week, building a rut in your life. We don't respond immediately to the calling of Jesus when we hear it in our heart. We'll stick to our routine. You know, there's a game that people play. They want to see who wins. And it's called Rock, Paper, and Scissors. From what I understand, Jim and Becca understand a lot about this game. Somebody told me that. I didn't visibly see it myself, but I heard you guys really enjoy that game. And I want to have you come up. No, I'm just joking. I'm going to do that. Just kidding. 
But people play that game to find out who wins. It's, you know, it's an interesting game. I remember playing it when I was a kid and, and, and having some fun with it. But, you know, from what I remember, any one of those three things can win, rock, paper, and scissors. They can win, right? They can be a winner. Any one of those three can be a winner. It depends on the combination to see which one wins. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, okay, so if you, let's say that we're playing it and I put out rock, and if you put out paper, paper covers rock, of course, we know you win, right? Paper wins, is that right? Am I right so far, Jim? Okay, I'm sorry. I'm having fun. If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, you can ask them later to share that video. Um, but paper covers rock. It's the combination, all right? It's the timing of the combination. Uh, but if you have scissors and the other person puts out paper, then scissors win. What happens if you have a rock and they break out scissors? Well, then, of course, the rock wins. Yeah, I know, it's simplistic, right? The point is, is that it's up to the combination to see which one wins. Well, when it comes to routine and calling, either one of those two things can win in our life. When it comes to the routine in our life, that can win in our life, or the calling can win our life. Both of them can win. Now, when I say win, I'm not talking about what's best for us. I'm talking about what has victory in our life. Routine and calling can both, either one of them can have victory in your life. What it depends upon is not the combination like the rock, paper, and scissors game. What it depends upon is the timing of your response. Routine will win out if your response is not immediate. Now, you might say, well, you can play the devil's attic if you want. Well, the Lord keeps telling me, keeps telling me, keeps telling me, keeps telling me, and finally I listened. Let me ask you, did you lose a bunch of time? Hmm? Wouldn't it be better if you'd done it right when the very first time, if you had listened and the Holy Spirit of God was impressing in your heart? And do you realize there's people today that will never get saved that have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ? It's true. They heard it maybe one time at a funeral. They heard it another time at an Easter service. They, they heard it, maybe they even heard it every Sunday. And they said no. 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 Until finally, they said the no for the last time. The Bible speaks about that. Wouldn't that be sad? Wouldn't it be sad if a Christian said no? No, God, I'm not going to do this. No, God, I'm not going to obey your calling. God, I'm not going to do what you're calling me to do. God, I'm not even going to take that baby step. God, I'm not going to submit myself and, and surrender to the calling you've got on my life, Lord. Even though I don't, I don't understand everything, but Lord, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to take that step and the calling again and again and, and again. And finally, no longer the calling. God says, fine. I've talked to people like that. I've seen people that told me that they had, a, you know, later in life, they said, God called me to be a, a preacher when I was young, but I said no to God. God called me to be a missionary, but I said no to God. And that's just people that are honest. How many other people are there that God called them? Whatever it is that God has called you to do, God's called you. I can tell you what God's called every one of us to be. A witness. Every one of us. God impresses in our heart that person that you're there with, and, and you, you're like, no, God, this isn't the right time. No. You come to a church service and the preacher will preach on soul winning and it just rolls off your back. You have nothing. Because you said no. 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 It depends upon the timing of your response. In our story, all four men that joined up with Jesus and followed him but look what it says, how they responded. 
To Peter and Andrew, Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And they immediately left their nets and followed him. Immediately they did. To James and John, Jesus called to them and immediately left their boat and their father and followed him. In the Gospel of Luke chapter 14, there's a parable called the parable of the great banquet. Three people were called to the banquet. All three hesitated. They made an excuse. They gave out one excuse after the other, and none of them attended. That's the same thing with us. We hesitate. We will not do what God calls us to do. We hesitate. I'll start going to church every time the doors are open next week. I'll start tithing next month. I'll start serving. I'll start praying. I'll start reading my Bible. And God lays it on our heart. God calls us. I'll, you know, I'll surrender my life later. I'll do what God wants me to do later. I'll work in that ministry later. Later never comes. And as a result, many people miss getting more out of life. It's nothing more than a rat race. Nothing more than a rut. You know what a rut is, don't you? It's a grave with both ends kicked out. People living that way. Man, I'm a child of God. There's a calling on my life. God has given us a calling. I have the Holy Spirit of God within me that directs me. I have the Word of God that directs me. God, he speaks to my heart as I read the Word of God, and I have to make a choice. Am I going to say, yes, Lord, I'll take that step. Too busy. No, no, not time yet. We miss so much because we don't respond. Listen, if you're looking for more out of life, push aside the routine when God knocks on your heart and follow the calling. Push aside the routine. Listen, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, push aside the routine. Trust in Him today. It'll be the best choice you ever made going through life and it seems like you're just aimlessly going through life and you don't feel like you're doing anything of any importance that for all eternity. Hey, listen, would you beg God today? God, show me the calling you have for my life. And I can tell you where that all starts. You say, God, I'll be willing to do exactly what you're saying in your written will. Lord, and as I do the written will of God, would you show me your extended will for my life? Making a decision to trust in the word of God and you had to do that to get saved. Did you experience that this past week? Did you make any decision this past week based on God's calling in your life? Let's all stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed as we pray. Lord, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you so much that you're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's your calling. Lord, you want everyone to be saved, to know they're on the way to heaven. And Lord, I'm thankful that when you saved us, you have a calling on our life. It is to be obedient one step at a time. Lord, I pray you'd speak to our hearts. Lord, I pray that we would see that there's more. 
life abundant. Lord, I pray that we would reach out with our hearts and desire for that abundant life. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to ask you today, is there a time and a place in your life when you were born again, made alive spiritually? You trusted in Christ as your Savior. You say, I know I'm going to heaven. Based on the promise of God's word, I know I'm saved. If that's your testimony, would you lift your hand up high and say, yes, I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. God bless you and put your hands down. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord to know. We know because God made it known to us. God made it possible for us to know. There was a time and a place in your life when God called on your heart. He spoke to you. And you just simply obeyed. Maybe you're here this morning. That time is now for you. God is speaking to your heart. You don't have the peace of knowing that you're on your way to heaven. Let me ask you the question, do you know? Do you have doubts? Do you have fear? Where will you spend eternity? Is God speaking to your heart about that right now? If you're here this morning with all heads bowed and eyes closed, let me ask you this question. You say, preacher, I, honestly, I don't know. I don't know. Could I pray for you today? I won't call you out. I won't embarrass you, but I will pray for God to give you that peace today. You say, I don't know for sure I'm going to heaven. Would you just lift your hand up right now? Could I pray for you today? You say, I don't have that peace. Don't have that peace. Don't know if I died that I'd go to heaven. Christian, is God calling you today? You see, I didn't give specifics about everything because I can't. The Holy Spirit does that. It might be that God is calling you today to be a preacher, to be a missionary, to surrender your life to full-time Christian service, which, by the way, would be every one of us. Maybe today God is calling you specifically to do something that you know God wants you to do, and you just need to take a step of faith and step out and say, Lord, I am going to obey you one step at a time. I'm not going to try to figure it all out. I'm going to take that step of faith. You hear this morning, you say, yes, God, has, he's spoken to my heart. God has spoken to my heart about obeying his call. Would you lift your hand up right now? Say, yes, God has spoken to my heart about obeying the call. God bless you. Many hands being raised. I challenge you to take that step. Not because I say so. Because God has challenged you. God has spoken to your heart. Do it now. Don't wait. Listen to his voice. Don't become hard in your heart. Don't try to figure it all out. Just by simple faith, the same way you got saved. Say, Lord, I will. Lord, I'm going to make a decision to follow you. No turning back. One step at a time. I know you have a calling on my life. Lord, I surrender to that calling. You might be here today and say, I don't know what that is. Well, just surrender to it today then. Lord, I'm willing. Lord, guide me. Spend some time, perhaps, since God's spoken to your heart that way. Would you say, Lord, I want you to lead me now. Lord, I need you. Lord, call me. Use me any way you see fit. I invite you, would you come to the altar today? Would you ask God to use your life? Would you surrender yourself to him? Would you take that step of faith? Right now, would you step out and come?
God's spoken to your heart, would you step out and say, Lord, I'll do what you're calling me to do. I'll surrender my life. I'll take that step. For some, it's out of your routine to come to the altar. Taking that step breaks routine. Is God speaking to your heart? Would you come? Just come say, Lord, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. You sing this song with me. I have.